listening to the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full-time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences so that you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I've founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best-selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. With me today, I've got a good friend and fellow Top Music Guitar member, Nick Dozer from the Southern Ohio Academy of Music. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Michael. It's great to be here and I've really been looking forward to this. Yeah, it's been great to watch you grow your business, do some wonderful things in your guitar teaching and all the other really cool things that you're doing with your personal life, with your business, with your music career. It looks like it's all happening. So I wanted to invite you on the podcast and have a chat. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, I'm glad it looks that way. <laughs> uh, it's definitely a fun ride. Yeah, it definitely looks like it from social media. So tell us about your music school, the Southern Ohio Academy of Music. Yeah, so I've personally been teaching for probably 10 to 15 years. It, it gets a little fuzzy because I started about 19 years old and then I went on tour and there were some things like, you know, you kind of teach off and on. So probably for a good 10, 15 years, I've been teaching students. And last February, we decided to uh, transition from teaching one-on-one to teaching in an academy setting with classes. And it's been really amazing. And we've seen our students grow so much more from being in in class with other students and being able to jam with them. And, uh, you know, I leave on a high from, from teaching these lessons more than I ever have because you get to see students actually communicate and build social skills and, and jam together, which they, they love. And so, yeah, we basically exist to, to be a blessing to our students, to serve them, to help them achieve everything they want to achieve with music, whether it's to a professional standard or if they just want to, you know, jam around the campfire with their friends. We, we really believe in equipping them for that. And uh, it's a super fun thing to do. So we're, we're thankful, you know, and when I say we, I guess I'm speaking for my wife as well, who does some teaching. And, um, you know, we, we have a blast. There's, there's so many other things we could be doing, but this is what we want to do. And to earn a living from it, it's a dream. Yeah, that's awesome. And were you apprehensive about switching to groups at first? What sort of made you make the switch and how did you navigate that transition? Yeah, great question. So I met someone named Michael Gumley. <laughs> and uh Shucks. and you know i was really right <laughs> and so yeah you know you kind of look at um when you look at your schedule and i think at the time i had 40 students teaching one-on-one half-hour lessons and it's so easy to get burnt out and we had just had our second i'm sorry our first first kid and uh luke he's he's two and a half now but and you know so you know new parent not sleeping teaching all the, all this, all this, you know, still less than full-time hours, but get really burnt out, you know, teaching that, that one-on-one half hour thing. And I was already probably pushing the boundaries in my area. I live in a small town in terms of what we charge and how I approach lessons, but I knew I needed to do something different. And I always kind of scoffed at group lessons, you know, well, how would you, you know, give them enough attention? I don't think anybody around here would do that, you know, and really just wasn't thinking big enough. And so sure enough, I had stumbled upon 
uh, as I was just kind of searching for ways to become a better teacher. And I think it was, uh, I used my music staff for a lot of our scheduling and billing. And it was through one of their emails, came across top music, and I kind of got filtered in to the guitar portion of that and started learning about group teaching from you. And you were also speaking a language that was really appealing to me because I've, I'm really into investing, investing in finance. And so to hear someone who is a guitar teacher speaking in the terms of, you know, uh, assets and liabilities, uh, investing in your business, that, that really intrigued me. And I thought, okay, there's something here that I need to look further into because a lot of the real estate circles and things that I'm in, we kind of speak the same language. So if I can apply what I've learned there to my music business, my, my lesson business, then, you know, we can only you know, grow better. And so as I learned more about group teaching, decided it was the right thing, took the plunge. And yes, I was apprehensive. I, I, I thought maybe there'll be a mass exodus <laughs> of my students who want, you know, full undivided attention. But, you know, through, through honestly, just talking with you and, and, and learning, I, I was able to really explain it in a way that I was confident to, uh, that I, this would be better for them, better for me. And sure enough, it has been. I mean, it was definitely a bumpy ride getting used to teaching groups. I mean, it's just a very different skill set than teaching one-on-one, but it's definitely turned out much better. And all my students who were maybe apprehensive before, absolutely love it. And they're, they're getting so much better, so much quicker, and their parents even see that. And it's really, really awesome. And I, I don't think I could ever go back to one-on-one uh, primarily. You know, I'm really sold on the group teaching model. Yeah, it's really great to hear that you've had that really smooth transition. And yeah, a few bumps in the road in the beginning. But I really like the fact you said, you know, I'll probably never go back to it exclusively. And that's something I've definitely noticed is I've just got such a high energy with the group, whereas opposed to the one-on-one session, some of the more advanced yes. students or the students that I really like teaching are fun. But when you get people who haven't practiced, who aren't as committed to their guitar lessons as you are to teaching them, it can really suck the life out of you. Or even if you just have a full week of uh, <laughs> teaching and nothing else. So uh, can you say anything to how different you feel teaching groups versus privates at the end of the week? Man, I feel so much better. And I will say that the highs are higher. And I think the lows are a little bit lower in my experience. For example, you know, there, I do have sometimes when I, I, I come prepared with notes and an outline. And, you know, sometimes I might not be firing on all cylinders, so to speak. And I feel like maybe I bombed the lesson. Maybe they didn't you know, I think we all overthink it. And I think the lows are a little bit lower there, but the highs far outweigh those. And, you know, for example, tonight, walking away, like you mentioned in the energy of group teaching. Well, you know, I, uh, I'm excited to post this video later, but I had my adult class and we were playing Uptown Funk and doing a, uh, you know, one person's doing the choir bass line. Uh, we had six students in the class. And so the other one is doing the, uh, the, a different like guitar lick, you know, the bum, 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 And then you have someone doing the sort of funk comping lick. And so they broke out into groups, like one-on-ones, played it together. But then we all came together and did this, this huge sort of um, course together. And it was absolutely fun. Like they had a great time. And there's so much more stimulating playing with the group than just a one-on-one because you actually get the experience of like it's playing with a band. And, that, and I did hop on the drums too. Uh, and we're in a recording studio, which, you know, is a great environment to do this in. But many of our lessons, we could probably go on for another hour and not not really have a regard for time because we're all just really, really enjoying it. And so that's that's more often the case. So 
that is, you know, I guess that's the best way to answer it is, you know, you walk away with a high way more often. And I think the students do too. Yeah. And it sounds like just listening to you that you're having fun, they're having fun and they're getting a real musical experience. It's not just, Hey, little Timmy, what did you work on this week? And then, uh, you, you will most likely have a really dismal thing and they're nervous to play for you because they know they haven't practiced. And yeah, just, it's such a, yeah. a, a better, better approach to it. And yes, there's still a place for private lessons and some students going to need them. Some students will need private lessons sporadically through the journey, but overall there's nothing you can teach in a, a private lesson that you can't teach in a group. And, but there's so much more you get from the group that you can't get from a private lesson at the end of the day. Absolutely. And I should say we, I do have a couple private students, but they're typically the more intermediate to advanced ones. And, you know, they can really fill in 45 minutes to an hour focus on specific goals. And so there's definitely a good place for them still. Yeah. Here's a little secret for you and the listeners, because I love giving away secrets on this podcast. And we've just watched Alex Holmosey give away everything for free recently. So we've got to give away all the secrets and give away better advice for free than what other guitar teacher coaching programs and music coaching programs are making you pay for. So one thing I've started doing is when someone who's a beginner wants private lessons, just say, oh, you've got to earn the private lessons. You've got to go through this group program and get to this level before you earn your private lessons. And they sort of go, oh, what, what? Like, obviously, if the person has learning uh, difficulties or a personality type where you know, they're just so anxious they can't deal with groups, then we may make the exception. But for the majority of people who just want groups for the sake of, sorry, want private lessons because they're entitled to it or whatever, we just say, no, you've got to earn it. Our students who work really hard, who progress to a certain level in the Guitar Ninjas program, once you've gotten to that level, you unlock and have earned the privilege to do the one-on-one sessions. And ultimately, the beginners don't need anything special like that. It's just the, uh, it's a nice to have or this misconception that you need to have private lessons. But primary school, elementary school, high school, university, dance lessons, um, martial arts studios, almost everything that you do in life, you learn within the context of a group. But for whatever reason, music lessons, we're still hung up on private lessons. And yes, private lessons can be great. Private lessons are definitely a good way of giving someone one-on-one attention to what they need. A 20-minute private lesson, 15, 20-minute private lesson is all most people need. Even a 30-minute, 60-minute lesson, uh, 50% of that is you just watching the student and waiting for them to practice it enough times. I get so bored (laughs) in those uh, (laughs) private lessons now, uh, especially with um, like beginners. And last little thing before I talk about you again (laughs) and the the wonderful things I want to ask you. (laughs) One thing I noticed last night... um, I had a private lesson with a beginner and I had a private lesson with one of my more advanced students who's been learning with me for six years. The beginner student, I tell them to do something. After three repetitions, they stop and they look at me with this bland expression on their face like, oh, I finished. <laughs> and it's, it, it really annoys me. Yeah. Like, it's one of my things is, all right, we're going to do this for a minute. And they do it three times and they stop and look at you with, all right, what comes next? When I teach my advanced student the private lesson, we worked on an eight-note phrase 20 minutes and must have done close to a thousand repetitions, like with metronome, really analyzing every single note that was going wrong. And the difference between the beginners and the intermediate advanced players is the beginners are like, I've done it. What's next? The advanced players are just like, right, what do I need to do to make this one little thing better? And you you tell them to do it a thousand times. They do it Mm -hmm. a thousand times. So that's a couple of little nuggets for you and our listeners, hopefully. 
So Nick, you mentioned before really um, good. about Absolutely. investing and assets and liabilities. And that's one thing that I, I found really intriguing about having you as a client and working with you is the fact you're very switched on. And I know anyone who's listened to my podcast has heard me say, music teachers, guitar teachers, guitarists, will spend 10,000 hours into mastering our instrument and maybe another 10,000 hours trial and erroring uh, teaching. But we're very unwilling to invest into personal finance books or courses about finances or personal development. And there's this big off balance, maybe because it's musicians are generally artistic as opposed to financial types, or there's this fear about money. But tell us how you got into personal finance and investing and, and starting the uh, companies and portfolios that you have. Right. So it might be a tough one to, to condense down, but I'm, I'm 33. And I want to say I really got into it and started studying finance when I was probably 24, I want to say. I was living in Nashville at the time. And I'm, I'm born and raised here in Ohio, but I was in Nashville at a ministry down there, actually. And, and so we were all musicians living in the inner city of Nashville. And we were, it was basically, you know, we were missionaries. We were also uh, musicians. And so we, we kind of called ourselves musicianaries because <laughs> uh, uh, everything we did was very, very much you know, uh, it revolved around music. Our, our pastor was a great drummer. And, you know, he was one of the, back in the eighties, like one of the first guys, producers and songwriters to start using a lot of digital equipment and things like that. And he was with Sony records. And so I learned a lot from him. So everything was, was music and songwriting. And, and so, uh, but here's the, here's the thing is we were, we were missionaries, like our whole lives revolved around doing ministry, not earning money. And so I quickly learned like, man, we're, we're always asking for money. We always need money. And I'm starting to really want to learn more about money and, and actually be able to prosper and, you know, maybe be the one who actually gives <laughs> rather than, than receive sometimes. And, not, and, you know, both of them are, are valid and important, but, uh, but also understanding like, you know, in the Bible, it says uh, the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. It's really, it's really a tool. It's the love of money that is the bad part. And so I started learning like, well, there a lot of these guys... I read about in, in scripture are, were very wealthy. I mean, Abraham was very wealthy. I mean, he had a whole entourage of people. I mean, you can't, you can't miss it. And I think, um, you know, growing up in Ohio, there's, there was a stigma on wealth, you know, this thing of like, Oh, they drive a BMW and you know, oh, they're, they're probably a jerk and they're just a stuck up rich person. And the same person who might have that attitude would, would go and pray for a race, <laughs> you know, like they would want to make more money. And so, you know, you know, basically sifting through all those things, I started getting really hungry to read. And it was like, it was a, you've probably seen him on YouTube if you've been in the, in, you know, studying about business at some point, uh, Ty Lopez. <laughs> and so I remember watching his, one of his ads and his videos where he was talking about learning and reading books. And he's like, you know, the, the classic, like, see this Lamborghini in my garage? Well, what's better are the, all these books behind me. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's just something happened to me, man. And I was like, I want to start reading. I want to start learning. And I got super hungry for it. I just devoured everything I could. And, you know, to, to make that story a bit shorter is I started to realize, I think real estate's the right path. And so when I moved back to Ohio, I remember when I, I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that's when I decided, hey, I'm going to get into real estate. I might not be able to know, I might not know much about uh, swinging a hammer or renovating, but like uh, our pastor here in Ohio, he's a real estate investor, and um, I learned a lot from him. And so I'm like, man, I'm going to invest in real estate because the thing is, I started noticing a lot of musicians, 
even if they were somewhat business savvy, they realized that when they stopped touring, their money dried up. So even if they were very successful in tour, and, and I mean guys who are, you know, they're in Grammy nom- nominated bands that I would talk to, they would say like, you know, well, I got to figure out what, what, what's next after touring because I have to earn an income. I'm like, man, these guys at the top of their game are trying to think what they need to do when they can't tour anymore. And so you see that and you think, well, there's got to be a better way to do this. Like, can I, can I play music, but then also earn an income? And, and I started to realize like if Dr. Dre has to, like, if he has diversified, you know, into all of his companies and stuff, then why shouldn't I, like, why shouldn't I think like that right now? And I might not yet be a millionaire, but I'm going to actually diversify, start investing so that I can be freed up to do more, more music myself and have the lifestyle I want. So yeah, we, we invested in real estate. We house hacked a duplex. And so we lived in one of the units, the other unit we rented out on Airbnb. And that was the beginning, beginning of it about three years ago. And, you know, since then we've done a flip, we've, um, you know, we have three Airbnbs now and, you know, I'm starting to uh, kind of turn back to real estate and invest a bit more now and probably do some flips and some more midterm rentals, which uh, that's just like kind of, you know, if, for those of you who don't know, a midterm rental is where they, they stay maybe a month or two or three and it's very lucrative, but perhaps, you know, a little bit better than um, Airbnbs and stuff because there can be some reg- regulations behind it, but I'm kind of getting in the weeds, but Anyway, I was just super hungry for it. I wanted to prosper. I wanted to take care of my family. And I wanted to be able to play music when I wanted to play it and go on tour if I wanted to. And that's kind of the, the gist of it. I'm sure we'll kind of get to other details later, but yep, that's how it started. Hey there, guys. It's Michael here with a quick message from Top Music. Are you a passionate guitar teacher looking for tips to make lessons more fun and engaging for your students? Maybe you're struggling to grow your business and need help getting more students to take lessons with you. Maybe you're a guitar player who wants to get out of a day job and make music your full-time gig with some teaching on the side. If you found yourself saying yes, then look no further than a membership with us at Top Music Guitar. Top Music is a place music teachers can come together from all over the world to share ideas, develop both their teaching skills and their business knowledge, and receive advice from industry experts. You'll get access to over 20 courses for guitar teachers and a host of general music teaching resources that will help you have a bigger impact on your students, teach better lessons, and of course, make you more money. For less than the price of what you charge for a private lesson, $49 per month, you'll get access to everything you need to bring your studio to life and become the best teacher you can be. Join now at www.topmusicguitar.com. Now, back to the podcast. Yeah, fantastic. And it's it's great to hear that obviously the journey has started with first becoming a bit curious curious about money and also maybe questioning the belief of, mm. hey, rich people are evil or money is the root of all evil. And <laughs> probably yes, yeah, a similar thing for myself is just having that general philosophy of rich people are bad. And I think this has gotten 10 times worse, this kind of resentment. You can kind of feel it building on social media. It's just total ignorance because whether you, if you're a good person and you get more money, it just allows you to amplify all the good that you do. If you're a bad person, it's probably going to amplify the, uh, the bad that you do, but anyone can become rich. Like everyone yeah. has the same 160 hours in a week or is 160, 172. I'm pretty sure it's 160. Everyone has the same amount of hours in the week. 
everyone has almost the same opportunities. It's just, are you going to go and take them? But reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, as you mentioned, was uh, mm-hmm. a big eye-opener for me and definitely something I'd recommend everyone who's listening to this podcast. If you haven't read it, go out and buy it, read it. It's a great book. If you have read it, but it's been a while, go back and read it again because it's uh, one of them books I reckon you need to mm-hmm. read once every couple of years and just touch base. And depending on where you are in your journey, different lessons might jump out to you. So sometimes you can read a book five or six times at different stages of your life and and find new meaning at every every point. But mm. yeah, it sounds like an exciting journey so far. So how do you balance being a musician and getting into investments? How did you sort of start getting into real estate and or, or finances? And is there any advice you would have for other musicians who are listening to this going, oh, yeah, this sounds like something I want to do? Wow. How did I start getting into real estate finance and advice for other musicians? Well, I started obviously by reading books, listening to podcasts uh, daily, you know, just devouring all the content I could. And I found like the number one real estate podcast, which is uh, Bigger Pockets. And, you know, they, they, they have, the, I, I, think the, I think it is the number one. And so they, they do a really good job at it. And it's pretty captivating. And, and so, you know, I would be, I would go to the gym and I would listen to the real estate podcast or I would listen to Rich Dad, Poor Dad and made sure that kind of in the margins of my day, I was still learning as much as I could. And I, I, I can't remember who this quote originated with, but it, it's, um, I think it's one of the founding fathers of, of the United States, but he said, if I have six hours to chop down a tree, I'm going to spend the first four hours sharpening the ax. And so I was really sharpening the axe and learning as much as I could because I knew when I would take a swing and finally buy a property, I wanted to have all my ducks in a row and have all my numbers ran. And so I started uh, tracking down mentors, you know, like people I could buy coffee or generous who could share with me about their journey. So I, I really sought out people. And that's something that if anyone knows me, they know that I'm, I'm very diligent in finding the person who's doing what I want to do and then approaching them, buying them coffee or lunch and saying, Hey, can I just pick your brain? Can I actually like, can I, um, you know, like, what do you need? Can I serve you? Can I help you? And so I remember I was even cold calling leads for a, a real estate guy here locally. He gave me a key to his office, showed me a spreadsheet. He's like, this is what you do. And you're going to call all these leads. So I actually started learning about lead generation, cold calling from real estate. And that has actually overflowed into uh, my music school as I, as I do call leads and, and get leads like that. But and um, I guess my advice would be is to find a mentor. If you if you want to earn a million dollars, you need to find someone who's earning ten million. You know, it's the rule of ten, and it's pretty simple. Like read books, listen to podcasts, find a real mentor who can actually guide you on your journey. I mean, you can you can you can bypass a lot of mistakes if you just talk to someone who's already done it. And so, you know, with my music school, you've definitely been you know like a business coach. Uh, to to help me, you know, I still haven't hit my goal, but me missing my goal is still far more than what teachers working at a public school are earning, <laughs> working three times the hours. <laughs> so, I mean, that's pretty incredible. And for any musicians who really want to start getting into it, I mean, I mean, now's the best time. You know, don't don't wait until you're free or you're off tour or you finally have a family, you know. Just start now, chase down a mentor and whether it's real estate, whether it's Amazon drop shipping, like whatever, whatever it is, you know, like really start learning and figuring out how you can maximize your time with the side hustle. Yeah, that's really solid advice. And 
one of the best things you can say is having a mentor essentially is the shortcut. Find someone who's doing what you want to do or has done what you want to do and gone beyond and then ask them for help. Ask them how they did it. And sometimes it, you might have to buy them a coffee and have a chat with them. Sometimes you might have to volunteer and do some work for them. But I'm sure you got 10 times more out mm-hmm. of working for that guy and, and doing some of his routine, which he showed you how to do, than a cup of coffee, oh, yeah. you know, t- 10 minute lunch chat with someone. So that's actually amazing. And look where it's led you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just to go back to what you said before, it is amazing at how many professional musicians, when the work dries up, you know, they're stuffed. And that was the whole reason why I launched the Six Figure Program is a conversation with my own guitar mm-hmm. teacher, who's 10 times the musician I'll ever be, who is essentially broke for the summer break every year, like so many other teachers when um, their students go away, they've got nothing to do. Or if then if they have a tour opportunity, they have to pick between a steady income and touring. There's no, it's one or the other. It's like, or feast or famine. There's good times and there's bad times. But as you've said, it's just so easy to make a f- more than a full-time income working a fraction of the hours of what a standard teacher has and then have all this spare time to reinvest yeah. into your real estate business or your other side hustle or your music career or your church. So I get the the feeling you're a very busy man, Nick. You, you've got church involvement. You've got uh, a family with a new addition in the last couple of weeks. You're investing. You're running a music school. How do you find the time to do all this? <laughs> That's a great question. And this is a question that I've asked many a mentor and friends and <laughs> in, all of them say, I'll say the ones who are who seem to be doing it well, they say the same thing. They say it's a moving target. And that has been more real to me since, you know, we, we just had our second child. She's, I think she's six weeks old now. Uh, her name's Adassa. We're in love. And, and so we are very intentional with our schedule. And again, it's a moving target. But I'll tell you, I, uh, on the note of mentors and being around the right people, you know, when I got into real estate, I started hanging around guys who are multimillionaires, that's what you need to do, right? You don't want to like get financial real estate from or financial advice from someone who's broke. You don't want to get marriage advice from someone who's been married for a year or who's not married. You don't, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, and what I noticed from these guys who are really, they have 65 units, they have a hundred units, they're making all this money. They would be doing really well in that one area, but their family, uh, they would be, you know, getting divorced, they would be estranged from their ch- children, you know, like they would be really unhealthy and overweight, but there was just one area they were really successful in. And I started noticing it with these guys. And, you know, I kind of took note of that. And so now, you know, to get to the point of like, how do I manage it all? Well, I say I do it slower than everyone else. And that's not something we want to hear in hustle culture. But if it takes me five years longer, to get there than it does the guy who destroyed his family, his health. And I get there with my family. It's far more worth it to me because I'm actually doing it for my family. And I'm, you know, not just for me and my dreams, but why else do I only want to work 12 hours a week earning what I do at a music academy, if not to spend it with my family and on other passions I have. So my questions for, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, mentors in any area, as I ask them, what's, what's your wife think about how long you work? Like, what's your family like? And they're pretty personal questions, but they're they're worth it. And um, I think you know, I asked a, a 
kind of a coach mentor one time for real estate about it. And he's like, well, you know, I, I take my kids everywhere with me and they come with me here. And, and, you know, we do a lot of stuff as a family. And I thought, man, that was really great advice. That makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, come to find out a few weeks later, he's getting a divorce. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I say that not to pick on him, you know, we, we want the best for everybody, but to say that I think those of us who are very driven, who are really fixated on a goal, to an extent, we have to kind of be blind to some other things to really accomplish that and to be super focused and dialed in. But we have to be careful that we don't get so dialed in and, and blinded that we think our family is happy with it and they're not. And they're actually being sacrificed, I guess, on the altar of success. To me, success is not driving a Lamborghini and not having a family. It's driving maybe a cheaper exotic car and having my family. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I, I guess that's, that's my advice is you got to figure out what works for you and your family. Realize what your schedule was this month might not work next month. And you have to, you know, work with your spouse and your family to make sure you're, you're not neglecting them. And, and you know, you got to kind of adjust as you go. It's a moving target, man. And um, again, I know in hustle culture, we pride ourselves on working 80 hour weeks and sacrificing this and that. But, you know, I think if you want to actually get there with your family and your health, then you need to actually uh, go a little bit slower and realize it's going to happen. But you have to be way more intentional with your time. And, and if I could just the very last thing is I think that multitasking is a myth. I don't think most of us can actually multitask. And I guess I should say, I don't think most of us can multitask well. So I realize that if I have two hours to work, I can get more done in those two hours if I focus deeply than I can in like eight hours. Man. And I'm, and it's just if eight hours of multitasking, doing whatever. And you find this out when you become a parent, when you're married and you have a couple of kids, you're like, wow, I got to make these two hours count because, <laughs> you know, it's like it's few and far between sometimes. And maybe I've rambled a little bit, but um, you know, I'm in the thick of it. And I think that we do it well, but I think each season we're learning how to adjust as our children grow. And I'm learning how to be productive on two hours. And today I'm probably totally working about four hours away from my family, you know, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah, Nick, thank you so much for such a <laughs> such an amazing response there. And I think that's something which a lot of people need to hear. I think it's very easy to see people doing really well on social media and not see their families falling apart or not see the other areas they're mm -hmm. sacrificing or falling behind in. And yeah, what's the point of making this really cool life for your family if by the time you've made all the money and you've freed up the schedule, they're not there to enjoy it with you at the end of it. So I think that's a, a very, very important lesson. If we are doing this for our family, you know, I know a big reason why I wanted to make six figures the first time was so I could provide for my family better. I had a girlfriend who sat me down yeah. and asked me, hey, when are you going to quit playing guitar and get a real job? Because she had legitimate concerns about my ability to, <laughs> to uh, provide for her and if we had kids at that point. And um, yeah, at the time it, it was a real punch in the guts, but it was a legitimate question. I think at that point in time, I'd never made more than like $18,000 a year. So maybe what, $12,000 US. And you definitely couldn't support a family on that money. Mm. If she had right. she not have done that, we wouldn't be here today. So <laughs> as much as it was a punch in the guts, it sort of <laughs> was the catalyst for, for everything we built into today. But yeah, it, 
we don't want to lose sight of what's important. And success looks different to everybody. It's worth pointing out. Um, whatever you listening to at home to find a success, go out and get it. But it's it's got to be what is successful for you. If you want to drive a Bugatti, <laughs> work towards yeah. that. If you want to have 10 units, work towards that. If you just want to make, if you're currently making 10,000 a year, but you want to make 30,000 a year and work the same amount of hours, so it frees you up to just lay on the beach all day, then go for it. There's no one definition <laughs> of success. One thing I did want to jump into, because I think you and the listeners will find it um, very helpful before I ask you the final question here today, is something called time blocking. So I think it's really important that if you've got so much to do, and even if you have multiple projects or multiple side hustles, there's two things you need to focus on. One is being efficient in determining what are your most important tasks. And yeah, you can spend eight hours working, but if an hour of that is checking emails, an hour of that is thinking about what you're having for lunch, an hour of that is uh, doing some phone calls, you're just maintenance <laughs> stuff. You can burn through four to eight hours of a day and not achieve anything. You've just you know, mowed the lawns essentially. But if you identify what yeah. are your most important priority tasks and you just focus on completing one to three of those per day, you will grow your business enormously. And I think of it like practice. If, if you practice the three most important essentials in your guitar schedule or whatever instrument you're working on, you will see progress. But if you just keep playing the same old things over and over again, you just get stuck on this plateau for ages. So the first thing you need to do is mm -hmm. identify what are the three most important things I need to get done either today or this week. And then the second thing you need to do is time block them. So if you've only got two hours of productive time, you spend the whole two hours just on that first most important task. And you just work on that until it's complete. And if yeah. you complete it, then you go to the second task. If it takes you three days to complete the first task and you don't start uh, the second task until Wednesday, you still got the first task done. But if you try and do 20 minutes on one, 20 minutes on the other, answer a few emails, oh, I've run out of time for the third one. You know, it'll be a month before you get anything productive done. So, and to tie this and bring in for landing, if we take Elon Musk, for example, uh, who's someone who has lots of profitable companies, he does something called that time blocking where Monday he'll assign to this company, Tuesday he'll assign to this company, Wednesday he'll assign to this company. Or what I would do on a Friday is, is two hours of top music content, two hours of Guitar Ninja's content, two hours of this. So there's a couple of different ways to do it. I, if anyone is interested in this, I could do a whole podcast on it or shoot me an email or comment where you're listening saying, yes, tell us about the, uh, the time blocking, please. But time blocking with anything, it can be dynamic. You either have a daily time block or you have a weekly time block or some sort of composite across a month. But hopefully that's helpful to you and the listeners. To bring this one in for landing, Nick, um, yeah. what are three books you could recommend for our listeners? Well, you know, I've, I've listened to so many podcasts and uh, so many Bigger Pockets podcasts where, you know, at the end, they ask that same question that this is like a dream come true. <laughs> I could answer the question. <laughs> so the first one, to me, the Bible, the Bible is the best business book out there. And so many things that we read, whether it's from, you know, a secular author or business person or not, can be found in the Bible. And you know, to, to put it in perspective, I read through Proverbs, almost not the whole book of Proverbs, but I read you know, a chapter or half a chapter of Proverbs almost every day. And there's so many nuggets in there of wisdom for business. And the thing that I've been chewing on is uh, it says the, the lazy man doesn't take or the lazy man doesn't roast what he took home 
hunt from hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. And that's rocked me because I, I think, man, I've not been diligent in certain places I need to be diligent in. And so I've really latched onto that in my businesses and in every area of my life where whether I, I, you know, I go for a jog and I run for, for 10 minutes, if I do, if I run for 10 minutes every day, it's better than running for an hour once, you know, every, every now and then. So diligence has really been my, my, my focus. And so, yeah, definitely the Bible, definitely rich, poor dad. That was the one that rocked me the most. Uh, in terms of getting started in real estate and understanding assets and liabilities. Because that, that whole mindset shift was completely different than anything I'd ever heard. And, uh, and I would say the third one is that right now I'm reading through The Wealthy Way by Ryan Pineda. And so he's a, he's a real estate guy. He has a great YouTube channel. And, I'm, and I really enjoy that book because, you know, he's a Christian who also values you know, being wealthy in every area of your life, like we've talked about. And he really has a grasp on not sacrificing his family. But this dude also runs, you know, I think over six or seven, seven figure businesses. And so in terms of being efficient with time, learning how to flip houses and stuff, it's been really inspiring. And and I would say if I could just add one last one would be True Wealth Formula by uh, Hans Johnson. A lot of people may not have heard of him, but I've, I've learned through Hans in his book, and we're, I'm actually in his investment group about uh, managing your money with ratios. You know, and so we we do our best to live off 70% of our income. 20% goes to wealth, 10% goes to giving, and uh, and within the 20% that goes to wealth, there's speculation, there's different tiers, there's a lot to it, but it's pretty fascinating, and it's about you know actually learning how to manage your wealth like uh like the elites do if you can use that term you know how actually like the rockefellers would do it and different things like that so that's been super uh impactful so i threw four in there but if that's okay those are the four most impactful right now uh, absolutely not we're gonna have to edit out that fourth one <laughs> i'm joking no <laughs> That fourth one might yeah. end up being the best one for everyone. So, no, Nick, thank you so much for your contributions. And guys, yes. just to, to bring this up, I always wanted to do this because I see I'm a big fan of the Bradley Dropping Bombs podcast. And whenever he gets a word, he goes, hey, Siri, yeah. define diligence. She's not going to read it out for me. Diligence, careful and persistent oh, no. work or effort. There we go. So, Nick, thank you for your contributions today. Mm-hmm. I'm sure – I know I've definitely gotten the, uh, a lot out of this conversation. And uh, I know our listeners will too. So thank you so much on behalf of the Top Music Guitar Teaching Community. Guys, if you're listening at home and you like the episode, make sure you like it. Make sure you leave it a review or a rating. And if you teach guitar and you've got some awesome stuff to share with the world, we would love to have you on the podcast. So Nick, thanks once again. And everyone else, we'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you. Hey there, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. If you have any questions about anything we discussed on the podcast, reach out to me at michael at topmusic.co via email. If you want a guest on the show because you're doing some wonderful things in the teaching space, I would love to hear from you. Or if you've got any suggestions for guests or topics we can discuss, as always, you know where to find me. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is our Top Music Guitar Teaching Membership. We have over a thousand members of Top Music, and that is a huge community of people that you can connect with online, share wonderful teaching tips, and of course, network with. We've also got over 20 courses for music teachers, 12 special ones for guitar on every topic imaginable from group teaching, 
private teaching, how to find more students, how to build websites, everything you could possibly want to need to know about teaching, building a business and getting more students is covered. And you get access to all of this for $49, probably less than what you charge for a one-hour private lesson every single month. So don't miss out on this awesome opportunity. Visit our website, www.topmusicguitar.com and join us in the membership. Thank you so much and we'll see you next week.